Allah has made this insan in a very incredible way. And those of you who are physicians and you study anatomy and physiology, you should be well versed with the incredible nature of human creation. Now there are different aspects of a person's health. There's their physical health, you are their physicians to bring a person physical health. Some of you may be mental health professionals, psychologists, psychiatrists, therapists, that's another type of health. And there's a third type of health which is a person's spiritual health. Now a truly healthy person is that person who is healthy on all three counts. Now, until now maybe some of you were just looking at two things, physical health and mental health. And there you would also say, if somebody had physical health but doesn't have mental health, low quality of life. If somebody has mental health but doesn't have physical health, low quality of life. And we talk about this quality of life indicators. Hmm? Well, what's the highest quality of life is going to be based on the most important, the most critical indicator, and that is our spiritual health. So yes, in fact, indeed, if a person has good physical health and has good mental health but has poor spiritual health, that's a low quality of life. Now that's not something that's going to be come up in the MRI scan. That's not something that's going to, you're going to be able to listen to on your stethoscope. That's not something you can assess through a questionnaire or interviewing the patient. That is something that is something in the heart. That has to do in the qalb and the nafs of a person. So first understand some spiritual anatomy, spiritual physiology. That Allah Ta'ala made our body and we also have a batin. Inside that batin there is a ruh. And there is a heart of that ruh that is called qalb. Just like in terms of the physical person, the physical heart is the most critical organ of a person's body. Just like that the qalb, the spiritual heart, is the most critical part of a person's ruh. Now imagine if somebody had heart disease, you could, that's a very serious illness. So what if somebody has spiritual heart disease? Why don't we treat that as a serious illness? If somebody has a heart attack, that's a serious issue. If somebody has a spiritual heart attack, they get an uncontrollable surge of lust or anger or envy or jealousy or they get kibbert, the kubber, arrogance, pride in their heart. When are we going to treat that as a serious disease? So it's not just enough to know the spiritual anatomy. You have to look at spiritual cardiology. You have to be healthy spiritually. Can you imagine how sad it would be that we were healthy physically, healthy mentally and unhealthy spiritually? What exam do you think is going to take place on the Day of Judgment? It won't make any difference whatsoever on the Day of Judgment whether a person was physically healthy or unhealthy. In fact, the physically unhealthy may have been forgiven because of their sins. Because the Prophet says that every sickness that afflicts a person, Allah Ta'ala uses that sickness, that illness to forgive their sins and to raise their level at darajah. Just audio, no photo and no audio. Video. You can take your picture of me in your heart. Huh? You can record the words and do whatever you want with them. Alright, so physical health will make a difference on that day. Even mental health. In fact, our deen teaches us that those who are mentally handicapped, if you want to use that term, they just go straight to Jannah on that day of judgment. So what is Allah Ta'ala going to examine on that day? Oh, you who examine people, hmm? oh, that you will also be examined and you will be examined on your spiritual health. Yes, your heart. Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, 
Yoma, remember that day. Live every day of this life in anticipation of that day. Live every moment of this life to be successful on that day. And that is the day, La Yanfa'umal. That your money, your property, your possessions, degrees, certificates, board accreditations will be of no benefit to you. Wala Banun. And your sons and your children and any relations you had for this world will be of no benefit to you whatsoever. What will benefit a person on that day? Illa man A person who brings to Allah Ta'ala a pure heart. Our heart will be examined on that day. That will be the vital sign that Allah Ta'ala will look for. The spirituality in the heart. The taqwa in the heart. The haya in the heart. Did you feel Allah Ta'ala in your salah? Were you able to remember Allah Ta'ala in your salah? Were you a lover of Allah Subhanahu Ta'ala? Did you have love for Allah in your heart? Or did you have all types of unlawful loves, lustful loves, romantic loves, attractions and infatuations for ghair mahrams? Hmm? Did you have a loyal, loving wife at home who was a mother to your children but still used to be attracted to the colleagues and nurses at work? Allah will check all of this All of this will be examined And it's not going to be any old MRI <laughs> Allah Ta'ala's scanning is perfect Allah Ta'ala's scanning is deep It's more than microscopic level Allah Ta'ala will look Sayyidina Rasulullah He said That no one will enter Jannah If they have Even an atom's particle of kibber in their heart Look at the examination That Allah Ta'ala will do of our heart in that day which one of us can say I don't have even an atom's particle of kibber in my heart? That all my money, all my learning, all my education, all my degrees have resulted in nothing. I have no pride, no vanity, no conceit at all. Who can say that? Who can say that? You're not going to pass the exam. You know when you guys take our blood test, you have an acceptable range. Huh? And if somebody gets a value out of range, you circle it in red. Huh? So the same thing in our spirituality, there's a certain range. <laughs> and if we were to take a spirituality test, a lot of our values are out of range. Some of our values are critically out of range. Let's take a test, does this person pray five times a day regularly or not? Some of us are out of range. Does this person pray Fajr every single day or not? Some people are out of range. When they pray, do they feel Allah in their Salah or not? They're out of range. So many things. Now if I showed up to you with a blood test and you circled all of them, huh? everything is out of range. Huh? I can't even imagine what level of compound physical illnesses a person would have. And we are walking around with compound spiritual illnesses with multiple values out of range. And we think we're healthy. Hmm? Imam al-Ghazali gave a beautiful example that you will be able to understand. He passed away over 900 years ago, 9 centuries ago. And he wrote his Ihya Ulumuddin, the book to revive all the disciplines of Islamic learning. He says that person who has ailments and illnesses of their heart, but they don't accept it, they don't acknowledge it. He says it's like a leper who has leprosy and you hold a mirror to them and they still deny that anything is wrong with them. Allah Akbar. Huh? Ajeeb. We walk around as if we're spiritually healthy. Mm-hmm. Now here just what you say you, I can't remember what your terms are The uncooperative patient huh? The patient who doesn't take their meds regularly The patient who is in denial The patient who doesn't seem to understand that they're physically sick The patient who doesn't go for treatment The patient who doesn't come for follow up Right, this is what you guys you have to do with And that's a problem But who, who in the world would have imagined That the doctors of physical health Themselves are very poor Patients of spiritual health They're also walking around not getting treated don't take their meds regularly. Miss Fajr, miss this, miss that. Hmm? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. You're in a perfect profession. You can understand being perfectly. Hmm? 
And from what I recall, there are even some illnesses that you have to take the medicine very regularly. If you miss a dose, skip a dose, it can actually affect. Sometimes they start you back from zero. If you tell me to take an antibiotic three times a day for seven days, and one day I take it three times, the next two days I skip it, then on day four I take five of them, then again one or two days I skip it, then I take three again for one or two days. Will I get cured? No way. <laughs> right? Because the quantity matters. The dosage matters. The amount matters. I needed a regular amount of that in my bloodstream to get cured of that virus or that infection. That bacterial infection. It's the same thing with Dean. You need those five prayers a day. Why are you skipping doses? Hmm? You get upset with your patient if they skip a dose. And you're skipping doses. You skip your morning salah. Sometimes you come home late, you skip your isha salah. Sometimes you say you're busy in work, you skip your dhuhr and asr salah. You're skipping doses. Hmm? You don't think it works the same way? It works the same way? Same way. Spiritual health and physical health have a lot of parallels, a lot of analogous similarities to each other. You can understand these very easily, given the profession that you're in. As we work with doctors, I teach in a medical school in Pakistan, it's called Aachen University. I teach Islamic ethics and Islamic bioethics. We've taught tons, we've taught most of their faculty by now, I've been there for five years. It'll be my sixth year next year. It's very easy for you guys to understand, very easy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does the same thing in Qur'an. That there's another part of us which is called our nafs. This nafs needs to be purified. This nafs has the bacteria of sin inside it. فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا This nafs has the bacteria of sin inside it. Therefore, قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَكَّاهَا Only successful will be that person who cleans and cleanses and purifies the dusky of that nafs. It's not going to happen on its own. It's not going to happen automatically. You're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to make it happen. You have to be a willing patient. You have to submit yourself to a spiritual doctor. You have to admit yourself for therapy. Yes? Then you get cured. Even Sahaba Ikram. When Allah Ta'ala describes Sahaba Ikram and the Prophet's relationship in Quran, what does he say? لَقَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Indeed, Allah Ta'ala has sent His special grace and favor on the believers. إِذْ بَعْثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ When He sent to them a Prophet from their own midst, from their own selves, fellow human being. Why? To recite to them the verses of Qur'an. That's not enough. It's strange. The Qur'an is revealed in Arabic. In the dialect of the Quraysh, the Sahaba are fluent in that Arabic. And the blessed Prophet from his blessed heart to his blessed tongue is going to recite Qur'an. And the people listening are Sahaba Ikram. It's not enough. I'll tell, tell the Prophet just Qur'an won't be enough. And just Qur'an is not enough for Sahaba. Huh? If just Qur'an is not enough for Sahaba, and they don't even need translation, they are native speakers of classical Qur'anic Arabic. If just Qur'an is not enough for them, then what hope do me and you have that just English translation is going to be enough for us? Hmm? Allah Ta'ala tells the Prophet you have to do their tazkiyah. You have to spiritually purify them. You have to adorn them and empower them with all of the sifat, attributes of iman, characteristics of believers, your adab, your akhlaq, and, O Prophet your ahwal, your kafiyat, your feelings in your heart. You have to put that in their heart. Yes, the feeling of love you have for Allah, put it in their heart. The feeling of tawakkul you have for Allah, put it in their heart. The feeling of fear you have for Allah, put it in their heart. The feeling of haya you have, taqwa you have, sabr you have, shukr you have, put it in their heart. Will you zakki him? So even sahaba needed tazkiyah. Huh? That they were lucky, they had the greatest spiritual doctor. 
His name was Sayyidina Rasulullah That's where they got the greatest spiritual health That's why nobody can ever reach the Tazkiyah of Sahaba Because nobody had a Muzaki like the Sahaba had you understand? Nobody can reach this level of spiritual purity of Sahaba because none of them had the kind of doctor, spirit, spiritual doctor that they had. But that's another level. Okay, what about me and you? What are we supposed to do? Allah tells us in Quran, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu That this is the most common widespread address in Quran. In Arabic grammar, Alladheena amanu is even a lower level than Mu'mini. Yes. I can try to give you a flavor, a taste of this in English. Alladheena amanu, those who profess belief. Al-Mu'mineen, the believers. Maybe you can taste in English that Al-Mu'mineen is a stronger word. So Alladheena amanu is bare minimum entry level. At the very least, if somebody says, I'm going to scrape by in my deen, I say, okay, if you want to scrape by, that's not a nice thing to say, right? If a medical school tells me that, oh, I want to scrape by, I want to get all D's. You guys would say, we really want such a person like that practicing medicine. Right? I would say, yeah, you want to get all D's? Maybe I'll let you put a bandit on me. Alright? If that's your attitude towards your education. But some of us have this strange attitude towards our deen. Just bare minimum, coasting. Hmm? Have you ever met a student like that? A different, I don't know what your South African, African system of education is. In the US, 60 normally was passing. Can you imagine a student who says, I only want a 60? And they say that about everything, about every subject. Hmm? Anyway, if a person said, okay, I'm going to scrape by in deen, I'll say, all right. Every single thing Allah Ta'ala has said in Quran addressing Alladheena Amanu, you better do that. Because there's no, no lower level than that. If you're below Alladheena Amanu, you're in danger. <laughs> you're in danger of going the other way. <laughs> you're in danger of losing your Iman before you pass away. It's possible. We think it's not possible. We just assume because we're born and raised in Muslim families and our fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers are Muslim that this iman is guaranteed with us until we die. It's not a guarantee. If you don't nurture it, if you don't nourish it, if you don't cater to it, if you don't feed it, if you don't honor it, if you're not grateful for it, you can end up losing it. You can end up losing it. It may start with secularizing, and then it becomes agnostic, then it becomes atheist. I've seen it happen to students, right? You have to feed this iman. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it for granted. So what did Allah tell us? Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu taqullah. That oh you have iman, have taqwa. Fear Allah Ta'ala as He deserves to be feared. Love Allah as He deserves to be loved. Wakunu ma'as-sadiqeen. That join your very being with the sadiqeen. Kunu is your whole existence. Allah Ta'ala says, Kun fayakun. Be and it becomes. Kun fayakun. Exist and it exists. Kunu ma'asadikin, your very being, your very existence to be ma'a, ma'iyat, should be in deep, intimate, close association and companionship with the sadikin. Who are sadikin? That's the next level of people after Nabi. Prophet ﷺ was last Nabi. So who's left on earth is sadikin. There can be what you call the true followers of the prophets, the true lovers of Allah SWT, the true believers. Me and you are ordinary believers, but there will always be some true believers in this world. So we have to be with them. That's a relationship. That's a relationship. Like you want the patient to have a good doctor-patient relationship. You also have to be in relationships. The doctors of physical health have to become patients of spiritual health. And it's a very difficult thing to do. Because in society, many societies, doctors are considered the most elites. One exception, is, by the way, I found is Germany. Germany is our kind of place. In Germany, professors are considered the most elite profession. And professors are the most respected people. And I've been stunned over there. 
even as a PhD student, they give us an office and a computer and we all share a secretary because professors have the most prestige over there. Normally though, in most cultures, doctors have a very high level of prestige. That's very hard when people look at you with respect, when people give you position and prestige for you to realize that you're actually still needy, that you're a work in progress, that you have some flaws in you spiritually. It's very hard to do that. It takes honesty and it takes humility. It takes honesty and it takes humility. But if you have these two things, you'll realize that okay, in one hand, I'm a doctor and I cure others. In another world, however, I'm a patient. <laughs> I need to be cured of different sicknesses and spiritual diseases I have in my heart. So, God, aflaha man zakaha. Allah tells Sargon, indeed, successful falah. Falah means that success after which there's no failure. That triumph and joy after which there's no sadness. Falah. Like Allah Ta'ala calls us to Salah, Hayalul Falah, come to this Falah, come to this triumphant, victorious joy and success. So who will get that? Man Zakaha, that person who purifies their nafs. It's an active thing you have to do. You have to actively do your tazkiyah. You need to get a prescription for that. You need to fill that prescription. You need to come for follow-ups. You need to get treated. You need to be monitored. This keeps continuing. Yes? Keeps continuing. You have to do your tazkiyah. So you can become spiritually healthy. So what are the elements of tazkiyah? So let's look at the model that is in the Quran and Sunnah. Right? Let's start with the Prophet's own model. So the first thing is called Suhbah. We all call them Sahaba. I can even tell you atheist historians of Islam, they also call them Sahaba. We could have come up with many names for them. We could have called them Awalun, we could have called them Sabiqun, we could have called them many things. No. Their defining feature is Suhbah. That they got to be in the company of Sayyidina Rasulullah So how did the Prophet do their Tazkiyah? Just through Suhbah. Now you haven't studied Hadith, but maybe I'll show you a little bit. Sayyidina Rasulullah Nabuat was for 23 years. You can study that in Sirah. The amount of things he said is relatively small. If you add up all the hadith, it's not 23 years worth of talking. Alright? So what was happening the rest of the time? Just sitting. And the hadith that talk about this. That sometimes the Prophet would just be sitting with the Sahaba. That's it. And it even mentions that they would be sitting in such pin drop silence that birds would even land and perch on their shoulders. That's how motionless and still and silently they would just sit in the suhbah in the company of Nabi Akrim sallallahu alayhi wa There was a group of people known as Ashab al-Suffa. Anyone of you have had the blessing to go to Madinah Manar for Umrah, may Allah tell take all of us there ever and ever again. And if you go to Masjid Nabwi, that's, that's there. There's a little raised platform, which was the bench, right? Now they hardly got maybe 30 to 60 minutes with the Prophet What were they doing the rest of the time? Just in Sohba. <laughs> just being near him, just being close to him. That's what they did. This is part of the Sunnah. This is part of the Sunnah. So this is in the Sunnah model. What's the next thing that happened? They used to ask the Prophet some questions. They used to ask the Prophet some questions. Much of the hadith is actually the Prophet responding to a question that Sahaba asks. And they are very open people. Can you believe one Sahabi, he went to the Prophet and he asked the Prophet Ya Rasulullah grant me permission to commit zina. Ya Allah. <laughs> We'd be terrified. We would never ask our local Imam this question. He said, he goes to Nabi Kareem and he says, grant me permission to commit zina. Why? They were very honest, straightforward people. They had no airs about them. 
They had no airs about them. He was feeling an incredible desire. And he couldn't overwhelm it. He told the Muslim, I can't control this desire. I'm trying to control it. I can't control it. I'm trying to control it. I can't control it. So I've come to you asking you to give me permission to do it. You see? So Sayyidina Susan didn't get angry with him, didn't yell at him, didn't start screaming at him. He said, okay, tell me just one thing. That would you like if somebody were to do zina with your mother? He said, no. Okay, would you like if somebody were to do zina with your sister? He said, no. Would you like somebody to do zina with your daughter? He said, no. He said, okay. Any woman that you would like to do zina with, she must necessarily be either somebody's mother or somebody's sister or somebody's daughter. Look at the beautiful way of explaining. Look at beloved Nabi Kareem Sallallahu soft, gentle, loving Nabi. Huh? He explained him and he brought him to the point. That same Sahaba was at such an extreme that he's even asking the Prophet give me permission to commit zina. I don't think any of you would ask an alim or shaykh this question, right? You might do it secretly. There's no you come to ask and ask him permission, right? No way. So he was on a serious extreme, that Sahaba, right? He must have been overwhelmed by this feeling. It happens sometimes, nafs overwhelms a person. That's why deen has hidayah to help us. You know, some people don't realize that they think, no, I couldn't control my lust, or I couldn't control my anger, or I couldn't control my tongue. You're right, you couldn't control it. But why don't you realize your deen has the hidayah in it? The deen has the power to help. The deen has the power to guide. The deen has the power to change everything in us. That's how I knew that I go to my Nabiya Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So then the Sahaba said, no, I would never want this. Okay. Then when the Apostle told him that whoever you would like to do zina with must be somebody's mother and sister, sister or daughter. So he realized. But the hadith continues. Then Sayyidina took his hand and put it on his chest. Yes, this is also part of the spiritual cure. He took his hand and he put it on his chest. And he made dua for that Sahabi. Now the Apostle didn't have to put the hand on the chest. He put the hand on his chest and he made dua for the Sahaba. And the Sahaba says that after that moment, there was nothing more disliked by me than the concept of unlawful zina. This is tazkiyah. This is patient going to spiritual doctor and getting spiritual cure. And he's successful. This is the proof of his success. He's saying that from this moment onward, there was nothing that I was more uninterested in, nothing that was more displeasing to me, nothing that was more disliked to me. So this is also the sunnah model to ask, to inquire, to get the cure. Then sometimes Sahaba they would inform the Prophet of their condition. Inform. They would let the Prophet know that oh, we're feeling this, we're feeling that. And most importantly, whatever the Prophet told them to do, they would do it. This is called ittiba. They would follow his instructions. They would follow his guidelines. They would follow the prescription he gave them. Now I want to show you from Quran. The entire prophetic model of Tazkiyah is there for me and you. So it's the first thing we said, Suhbah. I already showed you that. Allah taught what us. Allah amanu what? Kunu ma sadiqin. You also go for Suhbah. You need the same Suhbah. You need the companionship and association with the Sadiqin. Same model that the Prophet used for Sahaba is the same model all of us have to follow. Then what was the next thing we said? They used to ask questions. Allah Ta'ala says in Qur'an, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the Ahlul Dhikr. I think all of you know enough Arabic to see this. Ask, make su'al from the Ahlul Dhikr, the people who have remembrance of Allah in their heart. إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ If you don't know. 
Now the uncle would have said, Allah should have said, Rasul Ahlul If you don't know, ask the people who know. Allah was teaching us, if you don't know, ask the people of zikr. Why? Because your searching for knowledge isn't just for your intellectual edification. It's not just an academic exercise that you should get knowledge from people who just know. No. The purpose of getting knowledge in deen is to do amal on it and to have ikhlas in that amal. Therefore, if you don't know something, ask the people who have the knowledge and practice the knowledge and feel the knowledge and live the knowledge and do so sincerely for the sake of Allah Ta'ala. That's called Ahlul Zikri. So, Fas'alu Ahlul Zikri in Kuntum La Ta'lamun. Now, you think this applies just to academic knowledge. This is applying to spiritual. If you don't know how to lower your gaze, Fas'alu Ahlul Zikri. If you don't know how to wake up for Fajr without missing it, Fas'alu Ahlul Zikri. If you don't know how to feel the zikr of Allah in your salah and you've been praying in an unfeeling way for years, Fas'alu Ahlul Zikri, ask the people of zikr. If you don't have good terms with your spouse, you're not getting along, you're having marital problems. Whereas the Prophet said that the best of you in Allah's regard is the one who is best to his wife. Fas'alu Ahlul Zikri. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, لِتَسْكُنُوا إِلَيْهَا That you're supposed to get sukoon from her. And what are you supposed to do from Ashiruhunna Bil Maruf? And you should keep her in the best of way. Allah Ta'ala is pleading the case of the wives in Quran. Wa bil maruf. That oh men, you must keep your wives in the best of ways. You're not able to do it. Fasalu ahlikri ask in kuntum latamun if you don't know how to do it. If you're not able to do it, ask, inquire, learn, be trained. Be trained in how to live the deen. Be trained in how to feel the deen. We don't go for that training. We just think that we're believers and that's enough. But I accept an imam. And I pray Jummah and I pray Eid and I pray Salah. And I go to Hajj and I go to Umrah and I fast Ramadan. But are you living deen? Are you feeling deen? Do you feel the feelings of Quran? If you don't have those feelings, it's not done yet. We're a work in progress. You know? We're going to go into relapse. Yes. You may go on Umrah and you may save yourself from lust from there. When you come back, you go into relapse. Or people go on Hajj and they come back and they sin and they come and tell me, I don't know what's the matter with me. I went on Hajj. And even after I came back from Hajj, I still miss Fajr. Even after I came back from Hajj, I couldn't control my gaze. Even I came back from Hajj, me and my wife had argument. You go into relapse. <laughs> you think your language. Why? Because you don't take the full course of the antibiotic. Sometimes it comes back stronger. Yes? <laughs> You don't take the full course. It came back stronger. And some of you, yes, you get resistance. <laughs> yeah, Allah Akbar. You say, I sit and talk and it has no effect on me. I hear Quran and it has no effect on my heart. I hear Hadith and Nabiya and it has no effect on me. Yes, and there are some people like that. We can tell. Their hearts, they cannot reach their hearts. The Nasiha, the reminders and guidance of deen does not enter into their heart. They become resistant. Allahu Akbar Kabeerah. Hmm? No, no, no. Al-Aman al-Hafiz, may Allah save us from such a thing. You need soft heart. You need melted heart. You need open heart. You need to fill that heart with the teachings of Quran and the teachings of Nabi Akrim. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is Tazkiyah. This is Tazkiyah. Then we have another poem today that some people they think that deen is just about texts and books. And that's it. So if I want to mean then I should get a few books of Hadith, a few books of this, a few books of that, make a nice bookshelf, and I will just read and I will practice. And they will actually come and tell you this. And they will tell you that, look, you don't need people. 
You don't need people in deen. Let me show you from Quran. What does Allah Ta'ala say in Quran? Allah Ta'ala made us make a dua. This is the most recited dua in the history of this ummah. What is that dua? Ihdina. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqeem. Allah Ta'ala give us hidayah on the straight path. What is that path? Sirat al-ladheena an'amta alayhim. It's a path of people. Al-ladheena means those people. An'amta alayhim. That you Allah, you have blessed those people. Literally people will try to come and tell you there's no such concept as blessed people in Islam. Everybody's the same, everybody's equal. We call this in philosophy leveling. That you try to level everyone, this is individualism. Try to level everyone as an equally atomistic individual. That's against Quran. Allah is saying in Quran, that there's some people who are alladheena amanu, those who believe. And there's some people within that who are alladheena an'amta alayhim, that you Allah have blessed them. How can you say there's no concept to people in Islam? When every day, every salat, every rakah, you make this dua. So they are people who are blessed by Allah Ta'ala. Okay, and it's not just that they exist. Allah Ta'ala is saying that we are begging Allah to be guided to them. Because Salat al-Mustaqim is them. Allah Ta'ala defined Salat al-Mustaqim is these people. And you believers, you will beg me five times a day in every rakah, every salat to be guided to these people. You imagine? <laughs> on the one hand you're asking, begging Allah Ta'ala to guide you to those people. On the other hand you have this philosophy that there's no need for people. Strange. <laughs> Strange. And, and many of you even know the translation of Fatiha. But you haven't reflected on it. You haven't reflected on the meaning. Who are those people Allah Ta'ala only can say in Qur'an? And He has said in Qur'an, أَلَّذِينَ عَنْعَمُ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ وَالسِّدِّكِينَ وَالشُّهَدَاءِ وَالصَّالِحِينَ who are the people who Allah Ta'ala's blessed? Nabi, all prophets. Okay? But they're no longer alive anymore because the Prophet was the last and final prophet. Siddiqeen, they're still alive. And they will always be alive until the end of time. There may be fewer of them. You may not, all of you may not be able to recognize them. But they will always be alive. With shuhada, by definition, they're also no longer with us. Right? By their very definition. With salihin and the virtuous upright believers, they will also be alive. In other words, in order to be on Hidayah according to Qur'an, you have to be guided by Siddiqeen and Salihin. You have to be guided by Siddiqeen and Salihin. It's not just enough to come have a couple of books. So me and you, we aren't in those relationships of guidance. You know, when I moved from New York to Lahore in 1999, one of the first things I did is, okay, I have to make sure I get an eye doctor. I have to line up you guys, right? I need my eye doctor, I need my dentist, I need these things. I make sure I make those relationships, right? Then I start traveling to England a lot. I lined up a couple of people over there. MashaAllah Ta'ala lined you guys up for me here. I know I'm in okay. I know I'm safe. If I have an issue, I have the Salihin and Siddiqeen of medical health in front of me. Hmm? So I'm relaxed. <laughs> you should be the same way. You should have a relationship with ulama and mashayikh. So that you should be there, you should have those contacts, those links, those relationships. So if there's any problem, you have someone to go to, you have someone to ask, you have someone to learn from. Why are you living in your own individual bubble? That's what Allah is not saying, He's not saying go alone. He's saying, It's the path that has their footprints on it. Oh believers, you put your footsteps in their footprints and you will be rightly guided. That's Rahul Mustaqeem. Yes? It's on an untrodden path, it's a well-trodden path. Their footprints are on that path, you put your footsteps in their footprints, you will be guided. Yeah? And it's like that in any proper field of learning. Right? Any proper field of learning. There's always experts in that field. You have to learn from the experts. That's called residency. 
If somebody comes up to me and says, I'm a surgeon, I say, okay, did you do residency? I don't know what you call residency, you call it house job or officer or whatever. We call it residency in America. He says, no, I never did residency. I said, what did you do? He said, I went to med school. I said, then? And then I got these hundred books on surgery and I read all of them. I said, you're not touching me. I said, you're a bandit. You can put a bandit on me. Even then I'm going to watch you. <laughs> right? What? Why? Why do you have residency? I'm sure you have the same system here, right? Why? Because you have to learn from the experts. You have to learn from people. You have to learn from people. You want to be a surgeon? Spend five years in the sohbah of a surgeon. That's what they say. Spend five years in the sohbah of a surgeon. And in that sohbah, ask and inquire everything. Inform him of what you're thinking. Present your thinking to him. You think there's a technique. You think, share it with him first. Do it second. So if that's true about learning something like physical health, when are you going to realize that's all the more true about spiritual health? Yeah, do a residency with one of the awliya and mashayikh, then you get a clean bit of health. Yes. I'm going to come to you later and tell you this. Oh, we're offering a residency package for you. Yes. I'm about to launch a residency, spiritual residency package for the yes. I'm not kidding. Yeah, learn it. You'll enjoy life. Everything in deen becomes easy when, when you get the love for Allah Ta'ala in your heart. You know, in English we have a saying, it's called first things first. Very simple. First things first. Everything else is second. Alright? What's the first thing in our deen? وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَشَدُّ Same thing. Alladina amanu. Same thing. Who are they? Those who believe أَشَدُّ They're extremely intense in their love for Allah Subhanahu wa But just keep working on this. Until you become Allah Ta'ala's lover, you can't fix the ummah. You can't do it, I'm telling you. <laughs> I know you would love to do it. It's not going to happen. Allah will never take that work from you. Never in history has anyone other than the lover of Allah Ta'ala fixed the Ummah. It's not possible. First things first. First things first. Can I fix the healthcare profession? You'll say, not even a doctor. Right? I say, I'm going to reform the entire healthcare profession in America. I'm going to go to NIH. They'll say, okay, who are you? I say, Kamal Dinama, the Islamic history. They say, nice to meet you. are a nice guy. We love the accent. Sit down. You can't do anything for us. You can't do anything for us. <laughs> right? Yeah. You can't fix someone until you're a lover of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. First things first. People are always talk about leadership. Right? What percentage of the ummah is going to be leaders? 0.01%. What percent will be followers? 99.99%. Let's say I even managed to teach you how to be a good leader. If the rest of you aren't taught how to be good followers, the system is not going to work. The system is not going to ask anybody in government. The system won't work. <laughs> system won't work. So we have to get this love for Allah Subhanahu in our heart. That is the sign of purity. If you want to know is my nafs pure, is my heart pure, do you have this love for Allah or not? How do you check that? You look at your salah. Salah is a daily check. You know like they make the diabetes, they're pricking themselves, checking their sugar level. Huh? Right? Some of you guys have the whole blood, what, I don't know what you call it, blood pressure and different things. I have asthma, one guy tried to convince me to get a peak flow meter and like keep blowing it all the time and recording values for him. Alright? So I tell you, you check your salah. Salah is your peak flow meter. How much love do you feel for Allah Ta'ala inside your salah? Not saying outside, fine with that. In your hospital, you're busy. No problem, no problem with that. You're busy in the hospital, well and good. You're busy in the clinic, well and good. We have no, we have no, I don't touch it at all. I want you to 100% be as busy as you are in the medical profession. It's up to me. I'd ship you all up to Syria today and make you more busy. 
I don't touch any of that. What do you like when you stand on this musalla and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? That's your check. You see, because what is prayer? Prayer is when the lover is talking to their beloved. <laughs> what is prayer? The lover is alone with their beloved. Can you imagine somebody says that I love Allah? So I say, okay, when you're alone with your beloved, no, I feel no love. <laughs> Has any lover ever, can a lover say that? That I'm a lover, and when I'm alone with my beloved, and talking to my beloved, I feel no love at all. I say, you're not a lover. <laughs> you, I don't know what you are, but I can tell you one thing, you are not a lover. <laughs> this is not love, this is not possible. Not possible. Mm-hmm. Fix your salah, first things first. If you can't fix your salah, how are you going to fix the ummah? Huh? It's not possible. Uh, it's, not, it's a dream. You may be very sincere about it. Accept that. I'm not, make, I'm not poking fun at you. You have sincere wishes. But you're not equipped to do it. You're not equipped to do it. First things first. First things first. That's your check. I don't have to run that check on you. You run your check five times a day and you'll see whether you love Allah or not. And if you find, which I think most of us will be honest to say, that I don't feel anything in my salah. You need help. You need help. Your heart has become paralyzed. Look, I'll give you an example from your field. If I give somebody something sweet, a dessert, and they taste it, they say, I can't taste the sweetness. They say, I can't taste the sweetness. Like, you're okay. I pour a bag of sugar on it. I said, taste it now. They taste it. I can't taste the sweetness. I pour a jar of honey on it. I said, taste it now. They say, I can't taste the sweetness. What will you say? You say this person's sick, their taste buds have been spoiled, right? They're sick and they need to be cured. Because they're putting something sweet in their mouth, but they can't taste its sweetness. Infinitely more true than that is if somebody's praying salah and they don't feel the love and remembrance of Allah Ta'ala in their heart, they need to be cured. They need to be cured. There's a sweetness in salah, there's a feeling in the salah. You poured a bag of sugar on your kalb, it's called Surah Fatah, and you don't feel anything? You poured a jar of honey on your heart, it's called Sajda, you don't feel anything? Hmm? Hmm? What makes you think you don't need to be treated? You need to be cured. Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, وَأَقِمِ الصَّلَاةِ لِذِكْرِ That establish salah for my dhikr is a purpose. There's a maqsad here. And we pray purposelessly, without purpose. Without the goal. People talk about goal-oriented life. Why don't we pray a goal-oriented prayer? The goal of our salah is to remember Allah Ta'ala. To feel love for Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. First things first. That's what Allah Ta'ala said. Bunyal Islam al-Khams. And it's not actually pillars. It's an incorrect translation. Five foundations. Bunyal is five foundations. The foundation of deen is in salah. If you don't have a good foundation, you can't build anything on top of that. You can't do anything without a good foundation. To work on our salah. It's a test of our spiritual health. It's a test of our spiritual health. But we have to get busy. Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala gave us all of this learning and all these degrees and all these abilities and all the talents of the dunya. Do you know how tragic it would be that a person is so talented and skilled in dunya and they don't have talents of deen, untalented in deen. That's a tragedy. If a person is rich in this world, we say in Urdu, dunya mein amir or akhirat mein fakir. Hmm? Can you imagine how sad that would be? That in the world we have every bounty and blessing and comfort and leisure and pleasure, and we show up on the day of judgment destitute. 
devoid, empty of those feelings in the heart that would have got Allah Ta'ala's mercy, book of deeds, empty of those acts of worship and deeds that would have gotten Allah Ta'ala's mercy. Hmm? And what are we going to do? Hmm? All the diplomas and degrees in the world won't benefit us. I have them too. I have all these diplomas and degrees. But I know they're not going to benefit me on the Day of Judgment. Hmm? I'm not counting on them. I'm not relying on them. I know I have to do something more. May Allah Ta'ala accept us. Before we make dua, make a few moments silent zikr. This is called Muraqama. Close your eyes, bow your head. Disconnect yourself from everything in the world and all that it contains. Make niyat and wadhkur rabbaka fi nafsik tadarra an wakhifa. That Ya Allah, I'm going to remember you inside myself, fi qalbik in my spiritual heart, with humility, longing, yearning, with silence and secrecy. How, Ya Allah, you told me in Quran, وَذْكُرْ إِسْمَ رَبِّكْ وَتَبَتَّنْ إِلَيْهِ تَبْدِيلًا That I'm going to make dhikr of your name, your blessed, beautiful name, Ism Azim, Ism Jalala Allah. And Ya Allah, I ask of you, as you promised in Quran, فَذْكُرُونِ أَذْكُرْكُمْ That you remember me, Ya Allah, that send the nur of your rahmah on my heart, send the nur of maqfra on my heart, forgive my heart for its sins, purify my heart of its sins, fill my heart with your love, incline my heart towards your deen, and my, I make niyyah that my kalm is silently calling your name, that my kalm is doing zikr, Allah, Allah, Allah. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. out from our mind all these sinful thoughts take out from our heart the sinful desires Ya Rabbi Kareem we ask that you purify us of every unlawful love every unlawful lust every unlawful romance Ya Rabbi Kareem take out from our heart every attraction to Ghair Mahram every infatuation with Ghair Mahram every awareness of Ghair Mahram take out from our heart any and all love for the dunya love for money love for wealth love for luxury Ya Rabbi we ask that you take out from our heart the love for our own self love for our talents, love for our skills, love for our accomplishments, love for our khidmat. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, after you purify our heart, fill our heart with love for you, Ya Allah. We too want to be wal-nadheena amanu ashadduhum Put this extreme love in our heart. Put Ya Rabbi Kareem and put in our heart love for Quran, love for Deen Islam, love for Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, love for all of his seerah, love for all of his sunnah, love for all of his sahaba, Love for all of the Siddiqeen, Shuhada, Ulama, Uliya, Salihin. Love for all Mu'mineen, Ya Rabbi Kareem. Yet unite us on this love, make us steadfast on this love, make us true on this love. And Ya Rabbi Kareem, Allahumma j'alna min al-mukhlisin. 
Yalla, make us from the mukhlisin, make us from the mukhlasin, Yalla, make us as sincere as we can be, and then purify the rest, Ya Allah. Make us your sincere servants. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we too want to be loyal to you, loving to you, obedient to you. Make it so, Ya Rabbi Kareem, and forgive us for all of our disloyalty up till today, all of our ghaflat up till today. Yalla, for so long we have been neglectful of you, negligent of you. We make tawbah of this on this night. Yalla, remind us when we forget, guide us when we go astray, stop us when we want to sin. Ya Rabbi Kareem, keep us in your hifaza, Ya Allah. Keep us in the aman of iman, and keep our iman in your hifaza. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we make dua for all of those who are here, but barakah in our time, barakah in our health, barakah in our earning. Ya Allah, put barakah in our deen, Ya Allah. Let every ibadat have an effect on us. Let every sohbah have an effect on us. Let every amal have an effect on us. Let every khidmat have an effect on us. Ya Allah, Ya Rabbi Kareem, humana gunaukuma farma. Apna fazl karam se maamla farma. Ya Rabbi Kareem, apna ghulami de dijiye. Apna ghulami ka taaj pina dijiye. Nafs ko ghulami se chunwa dijiye. Apna bandha bana dijiye. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum ab tak nahi ban sake. Bana dijiye Allah. Tera karam ka maamla hooga. Tera fazl ka maamla hooga. Ya Rabbi Kareem, humne to apne baro se sunaye. Ye khandani bhi ghulam hota hai. Ya Rabbi Kareem, hum bhi aapke khandani ghulam banna chate hai. Humare poore khandan ko is ghulami ke liye kubool farma. Hum aapke nasli ghulam banna chate hai. Humare poori nasl ko is ghulami ke liye kubool farma. Humare aulad ki iman ki hifazat farma. Qiamat tak tamam aane wali nasl ki iman ki hifazat farma. Ya Rabbi Kareem, jib teri nazar pardhti hai, to karam ka maamla hota. Teri nazar se ne Ibrahim alayhi salam par pari. Abbe Kareem, aap ne unko jaddul anbiya binaya. Unki nasl se aap ne hazaro anbiya ko pahda farmaya. Ya Rabbi Kareem, wohi nazar humare nasl par bhi dal dijiye. Humare nasl se hazaro sulaha ko pahda farma. Hazaro daik ko pahda farma. Hazaro uliya ko pahda farma. Apne chahne walo ko pahda farma. Aapke manne walo ko pahda farma. Ya Rabbi Kareem, aap fitna fasad ke zamane mein hai. Fisk fujur ke zamane mein hai. Humare puri nasl ko mu'minin haqqa mein se bana. Sab ko ilhaad se mehfuz farma. Har fitna se mehfuz farma. Aapka karam hooga. Aapka fazl ka maamla hooga. Ya Rabbi Kareem, jo tamam hazirin majlis hai, jin ki dili faryad hai, sab ki dili faryad ko kubool farma. Nek muradon ko pura farma. Ya Rabbi Kareem, jahan bhi deen ka kaam ho raha hai, sab ko kubool farma. Masajid ki hifazat farma. Makatibi Qurania ki hifazat farma. Madaris Arabiya Islamiya ki hifazat farma. Jin khan ka aur awliya mashaik ki mehnat se, Allah Allah تذکیہ ذکر کی محنت ہو رہی ہے سب کو قبول فرما یا ربی کریم دعوت و تبلیغ کی محنت کو قبول فرما جہاں بھی جماعتیں پھر رہی ہیں ان کو قبولیت عامہ تامہ عطا فرما یا ربی کریم لوگوں کو متوجہ فرما یا ربی کریم چاروں طرف باطل ہے تو بھی الہادی ہے ہدایت کے چشمے کو جاری فرما اس ہدایت کو ساری جاری فرما یا ربی کریم امت مسلم کی نوجوانوں پر اپنے خصوصی رحمت نازل فرما وہ آپ کو پہچانتے نہیں اپنے پہچان دے دیجئے آپ بس اپنا تعرف کروا دیجئے وہ بھی آپ کے ماننے والے بن جائیں گے وہ بھی آپ کے چاہنے والے بن جائیں گے یا ربی کریم وہ ہم سے بہتر آپ کے ماننے والے بن جائیں گے وہ زیادہ اخلاص سے آپ کے چاہنے والے بن جائیں گے بس اپنا حسن کا تعرف کروا دیجئے 
اپنے رحمت کا تعارف کروا دیجیے ہدایت ان پر نازل کر دیجیے بکریم جہاں بھی امت پریشان ہے امت کی پریشانیوں کو دور فرما مظلومین متاثرین پر اپنے خصوصی رحمت نازل فرما جہاں حق اور باطل کا جنگ ہے حق کو غالب فرما باطل کو مغلوب فرما اور ہمیں ہمیشہ حق کی جانب داری اختیار کرنا نصیب فرما یعنی بکریم اس مسجد کو ادارہ سکون بنا مرکزی سکون بنا مرکزی اطمینان بنا قرآن سندر شریف کے گوارا بنا یعنی بکریم اس مسجد سے یعنی بکریم کروڑوں مسلین متقین کو پیدا فرما مسلین مخلصین کو پیدا فرما مسلین صالحین کو پیدا فرما مسلین ذاکرین کو پیدا فرما یعنی بکریم اپنے کرم فضل سے ہماری ان دعاؤں کو قبول فرما ربنا تکمل منا ان کا انت سمی العلیم و تو ان کا انت تواب الرحیم وصلى الله تعالى على حبيبه سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين برحمة